Well, welcome to our Christmas sermon series about prayer. Um, before we get too deep, I want to remind you again about our amazing resource page we have for prayer. If you go to mycbcb.com slash prayer, um, there's a lot of really great resources for you. Um, there's a, some great uh, podcasts. There's some great apps that are really helpful. People have said, I can't get the rhythm. I can't get the idea. I can't get in the swing of praying. These apps are super, super helpful for that. And there's some amazing books on this uh, resource list. And I, I keep saying it, but like, like this sermon this week is largely from these two books, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools by Tyler Staten. You should read this book. And this one is called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by Pete Gregg. And I really, really recommend that you take a look at those books. Um, we've been talking a lot about prayer um, for the last couple of months. And it's been, I tell you, it's been awesome for me because I've got to hear a lot of amazing stories from you about answered prayers. Um, let me just ask you real quick, how many of you would say um, by raising your hands that at some point in your life you've experienced what really could be a supernatural answer to your prayer? Look, 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 right? It's awesome. And for me, one of the great blessings of my job is I get to pray with people all the time. And so I have seen a lot of answered prayers. I've seen a lot of healings, I've seen a lot of blessings, I've seen a lot of life change, I've seen a lot of yeses, and it's, man, it's been awesome for me. Um, but there's also an occupational hazard for me in what I do, and that is I've also seen some really hard no's. And I've, I've been called to pray with sick people who have died. And I've prayed for people to start making better decisions only to see them make even worse decisions. And just like you, even before I was a pastor, I was not unfamiliar with unanswered prayers. Um, I started a small business, and I prayed that God would make me a gozillionaire through that business. Eh, he didn't. Uh, years before that, I worked for this company that I loved, and a horrible man bought the company and ruined that company. And you know, the Bible says, pray for your enemies. So I prayed, God, just let him be struck by lightning. And, and you know, he didn't. Uh, and I don't want you guys to lose respect for me, but I've prayed lots of times that God would give me answers or ideas or solutions and just heard crickets. So I'm being honest. How many of you will be honest and say, at least once in your life, you've prayed for something really important, a blessing, a healing, a solution, an answer, and you've had the answer come back, no. Keep them up because there's a worse one. How many of you have heard, wait, right? And you know what the worst one is all, of all of them? How many of you have heard, no answer? Yeah, I like, what's worse than unanswered prayer, right? Have you ever been ghosted by God? Right, it's like he's not, he's not answering my prayers. He's not returning my texts. I'm, I'm calling, but he's not, he's not picking up. And I think it's because he knows it's me. Um, there's, I mean, that's the worst, right? I call it being holy ghosted. <laughs> and have you had that though? Have you had like a season where it seems like God's blocked your number? Like he's just, it's just not, it's just always no, or it's nothing. It's no answer at all. And we're just thinking, this conversation makes me think about, in the Christmas story, Joseph, uh, Jesus' dad. Um, 
even though we don't have one record in the Bible of a prayer that he prayed, we don't really, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. Um, we know what he did for a living. What do you do for a living? He's a carpenter. Um, we know he was a, you know, law-abiding, tax-paying family guy. Um, we know he was a descendant of King David. He was a descendant of Abraham, and so he was one of God's chosen people. Um, in fact, God specifically chose Joseph out of all the humans on earth um, to be Jesus's, you know, earthly father. Um, he was a good Jewish man. He knew God's law. Um, he went to church. He had his son circumcised and blessed by a rabbi. Um, he was a good dude. Uh, when he heard Mary was going to have a baby, he could have had her stoned. And instead, he had already decided before the angel, he had already decided he wasn't going to do that, that he was just going to break up quietly and not make a big thing and save her the embarrassment. It's a pretty impressive guy. He was always obedient to God. Um, we see a couple of times that God spoke to him through a dream or a vision or an angel, and he always did what God said do. So he wasn't a perfect man, and he wasn't a perfect dad. Um, remember when Jesus was 12 and he was lost for three days and they didn't miss him? Uh, that, and you know what's bad? That's the last thing we read about Joseph in the Bible is that he lost his kids. So we don't know a lot, but we know that he knew God and we know that he trusted God. And we don't know exactly what he prayed, but we know he prayed to God. And I'm guessing that he prayed the same prayers that other men at the same age and the same stage would pray. God, please give me a smooth engagement and don't let anything come between me and Mary that might be weird. I'm sure he prayed, God, please give me a fun, amazing wedding. I'm sure he prayed, God, let me and my wife have a good reputation in our community. I'm sure he prayed, God, will you please let our kids be born uh, healthy and at a hospital or at home and not in a stinky stable. I'm sure he prayed, God, let our kids birth be attended by a great obstetrician or a qualified nurse or a midwife or something, but not goats and not sheep, right? God, when our baby is born, I'm sure he prayed, let us be surrounded by our friends and our family and our church life group and not strangers and not gross, stinky shepherds. I'm sure he prayed, God, please, I just want, here's, can you see Joseph? He's a young man, he's about to be married. Can't you see him praying? God, I just want a normal, safe, happy family in my hometown and not to have to run away in the middle of the night to Egypt for two years because the king is trying to kill my baby. I'm sure he prayed, God, let my son be seen as a blessing in our community and not as the reason that all the baby boys are being murdered. I'm sure, I'm positive, he prayed. God, let my son live a long, happy life and have a family of his own someday. I'm sure he prayed. God, like everybody else, I want the best for my kids. And so, will you please let my son be loved and appreciated in our community, not hated and mocked and spit on and tortured to death as a criminal? And what was God's response to all of those prayers? No. Or worse, 
No answer at all. He holy ghosted him. So today we're going to look a little deeper into two questions about unanswered prayer when God is ghosting us. First question is, what's the deal? Like, why does it happen? What causes it? Second, how can we deal with it, right? When the impossible thing happens and the answer to our prayer is no. So a lot to cover today. Let's get right into it. First, what is the deal with unanswered prayer? If God is loving and God is powerful, why would our prayers ever go unanswered? Why, why not always a quick yes? Um, what's going on when the answer is no or when there's no answer at all? And Pete Gregg wrote another great book about this called God on Mute. And he says that when the answer is no or when God goes to you, most of the time it can be attributed to God's world or God's war or God's will. So let's start with God's world. I think sometimes we feel like God says no to our prayers, and it's really just a product of living in this fallen, broken world full of fallen, broken people. It's not so much God specifically saying no as it's just that's the way the world is. And the truth of it is, even now, even in the current messed up state, God's world is a world of amazing beauty and harmony. I mean, it's, things work pretty good. You know, um, animals breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. And plants breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. That's, that's a pretty good system right there, right? Deer eat plants and then they poop. And then that poop becomes fertilizer for plants. It's a, it's a, it work, things work pretty good. And then when they die, they become fertilizer or they become food for another animal. The, the, the laws of nature that God set up are pretty good laws, right? Gravity, that's a good one. Uh, uh, the weather, and I, we, got, we got some droughts and we've got occasional hurricanes and it's hot in the summer, but generally speaking, the climate on earth is pretty perfect for human life. The way God has things said is pretty good. I don't, I don't always want justice, right? Sometimes I want mercy. But honestly, God's law of reaping and sowing, it's a pretty good law. Right? Things kind of work. I mean, most people come into this world as babies and then they grow up and then their bodies start to break down and then they move out and go to heaven. And it, I mean, it's sad, but for Christians, kind of not really even, even sad. Plus, if nobody ever died and we kept having babies, where would we put them? So I just, just to say, this world has amazing beauty and, and, and harmony and balance and order it worked pretty good. And if we wanna maintain the balance and the order of this world, we have to depend on these natural laws. And that means if the world's gonna work, supernatural events, right? Things outside of these laws, miracles, by definition, have to be rare. Also, we're talking about God's world. In God's world, there's lots of people with lots of different needs. 
And what's best for you might not always be what's best for me. So if I pray, God, help me get that job, and you pray, God, help me get that job, how's that gonna work, right? If a bride prays for a clear weather on the same day that a farmer prays for rain, how's that work, right? This is God's world. If, if you pray for your team to win, and I pray for my team to win, well, I know what's gonna happen there. My team's gonna win because my team is God's team. But you see what I'm saying, it's it's like they're mutually exclusive things. And I'll tell you what else, in God's world, people have free will, yeah? And God typically does not make people do what they should do. And so a lot of the pain, a lot of what we perceive to be unanswered prayers in our lives are really just the result of bad decisions other people make or bad decisions that we make. So a lot of our prayers go unanswered just because of the natural order of God's world. And then some prayers go unanswered as casualties of God's war. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about spiritual warfare. And some prayers are not answered because there is a powerful, active enemy at work, attacking and opposing God's will. Um, 1 Peter 5.8 calls him a lion just looking for somebody to devour. The truth is we live in a battle zone, in a war between good and evil. And as Christians, we're not immune from collateral damage. In fact, a lot of the time we're the intended targets. Jesus says we should constantly, every day when we pray, we're supposed to ask for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Why do we have to pray that? because it's not happening now, right? Right now, in this world, during this war, God doesn't always get his way. We have to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, because right now, God's will's not always done on earth. God doesn't get what he wants all the time. He didn't want Adam and Eve to make the decision that they made and separate all of humanity from him, right? He didn't want the the people to build the Tower of Babel and try to go around him, right? God didn't want for Israel to have to be overtaken by Babylon or Assyria or Rome. God didn't want Hitler to kill millions of Jews. God doesn't want any child to be trafficked. God doesn't want any woman to be raped. God doesn't want any innocent person to be hurt. The Bible says he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to have everlasting life, but that's not what's happening. This stuff is from the enemy. Some unanswered prayers are casualties of God's war. And then some prayers are unanswered because they just don't match up with God's will. You know, sometimes when our prayers go unanswered, it's because God has a better idea or God has a bigger plan that we can't see or we can't understand. Isaiah 55, eight says, God's talking. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Garth Brooks says, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And I think he, I mean, I think he might be right. Um, I can tell you that many years ago, when I was young, I had a promising career trashed by this man that took over our company. I told you, I prayed that God would strike him with lightning. And I also prayed that after the lightning, I would gain control of the company. 
you know, and then I would treat people fairly and I would get the employees their benefits back and I would give better service to our customers and I would be a hero to thousands of employees and I would make a bucket of money for myself. And God answered no to that prayer. And I was so mad at him for a long time. Why would you let this happen to me? That's clearly what's best. Why would you let this happen to me? I worked so hard for that company. Why would you take that away from me? Why would you let all these people be hurt? Why, God, why would you let that happen? This can't possibly be your will. But now I see if he would have said yes to that, my kids would have never met their spouses. I wouldn't have my grandkids. I wouldn't be a pastor. I would have missed the incredible joy of preaching God's word and knowing you and baptizing people and marrying people and having this church family. Sometimes our prayers go unanswered because God has a better idea or God has a bigger plan. All right, here's a hard one in God's will. Maybe sometimes the very best thing for me right now is not an easy, beautiful, healthy, wealthy season. Maybe what's really best for me right now is to experience the presence of God when it's hard. Maybe the best thing for me right now is to, uh, to, to be with God in a storm, to have his peace in a sickness. Maybe what's really best for me eternally right now is for me to experience his provision when I'm broke. If I'm honest, I've probably seen and like appreciate, experienced God a lot more in those times than in the easy times. So maybe, maybe that's better than the yes that I was praying for and hoping for. It's, it's God's will. And our Father in heaven wants what's best for us. And he can cause what's best for us. And where he, he differs from us is he knows what's best for us. We have to respect who we're dealing with when we're dealing with God. I mean, he, he cre God created everything with just a word. And he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many dolphins there are in the ocean. He knows the exact second of the birth of every human being forever backwards and forever forwards and what their favorite color will be, right? God knows, he knows the best solution for every problem and every sickness and every breakup and every war in the world. That is a big, beautiful mind. Agreed? Wouldn't it be weird if we did understand everything he was doing? I mean, that, that wouldn't make, I mean, do you wanna worship that God? I mean, I, I don't care to worship a God that I understand completely, right? And also, this is another, this is a hard one, because I'm kind of um, self-centered. We're talking about God's will. This is a hard one to swallow, but some of my unanswered prayers might have nothing to do with me personally, right? Maybe, maybe my no from God is for God's will for humanity or God's will for his kingdom. 
There's two great Joseph stories in the Bible about this. Old Testament Joseph, right? He prayed, but I'm thinking a lot of, he got a lot of no's because he was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He was lied about. He was thrown in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. But ultimately, all of his trouble was used by God to save Israel. So every time he prayed and God said no, it had nothing to do with Joseph. New Testament Joseph. We already outlined some of his trouble. But all of that pain that he went through, all of that suffering that he went through was part of God's much bigger plan to save the world, to save us. So I'm, I'm sorry for Joseph, but I'm glad all that bad stuff happened to him. Right? And when I see him, I'll tell him. And I mean, someday in heaven, millions of people are going to go up to Joseph and say, you know, I'm really glad your prayers went unanswered. Sometimes God's will and the reason our prayers are unanswered really has nothing to do with us. So what's the deal? When our, when our prayers go unanswered, it's usually because of God's world or God's war or God's will. Next question is, if that's what's the deal, how can we deal Right? How, how are we supposed to deal with it when the answer is no? Because I know you. I, a lot of you have prayed for very important things, big things, hard things, and gotten a no, right? or no answer at all. Well, what are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to handle that? What are, we, what are we supposed to do? And this is one of those things that preachers love that is really easy to say and really hard to do. But when the answer is no, when it feels like God is ghosting us, we have to keep our faith in the Father. We have to keep our faith in the Father. Jesus has us praying every single day, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Every day we have to keep our faith in the Father, not in our healing, not in our answer, not in the miracle that we're praying for. We don't have our faith in those things. We have our faith in the Father. And when the answer is no, and when it feels like God's ghost in us, that, that is really hard to do. But you know who modeled it for us beautifully? Jesus, right? I mean, did, um, did Jesus ever have an unanswered prayer? Was he ever ghosted? I mean, in, in John 17, 22, Jesus prayed that everyone that ever became a Christian would have complete unity. How are we doing? Right? That was 2,000 years ago. And he's just going, is this going to happen or not? I mean, 2,000 years he's been waiting for that prayer. It's been just crickets. Right? In Mark 14, 36, Jesus is facing, I mean, not only death, I mean, betrayal and humiliation and torture and worse. I mean, he's about to have all the shame of all the sin of all the people in all of eternity dropped on him. He's about to be separated for the first time ever from the Father. And as he got close, he knows what's coming. And as he got closer and closer to the worst experience in history, right? He prayed, please, please, if there's any If there's any other way, please take this suffering away from me. My Father in heaven. 
And God's answer came in the form of Judas and Roman soldiers and death. And then, I mean, a couple of verses down in Mark 15, Jesus is so humiliated and so crushed and so alone, he couldn't even say the words, our Father in heaven. And he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? No answer from heaven. Ghosted. There's a really interesting marketing campaign about Jesus. Maybe you've seen their commercials on TV. They say, he gets us. Yeah. Yeah? He knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to struggle. It's, it's the default position of humanity in this world. John 16, 33, he said, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, he says, because I have overcome the world. And the beauty to me of the Christmas story, the beauty of the birth of Jesus is how he overcame the world. That in the lowest, hardest, scariest, most painful possible moment, in the darkness and cold and stench of this world, Jesus didn't just watch. He came. Emmanuel means God with us. Pete Gregg says he didn't airlift us out. He parachuted in. He came to join us in our pain. He came to empower us with his spirit. He came to model for us what it is to hold on to your faith when the answer to your prayer is no. Jesus knew what it is to feel ghosted by the Father. Look what he says. This is Mark 14, 34. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Verse 35 says he went on a little further and he fell to the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. And he cried out, Abba, Father, Dad, I I know you love me. Everything is possible for you. I know you can fix this. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. I don't want this pain. I don't want this betrayal. I don't want this torture. I don't want this feeling. Yet, I want your will done and not mine. That's hard, man. Jesus came to establish a new humanity that follow his model, not Adam's, right? That fully trust the Father even when the answer is no. And that humanity is us. And this is, this is hard stuff. It's too hard. It's too hard for humans alone. And that's why humans were never able to do it, right? Until we got Jesus, the new humanity, God and man together, right? And so now, even though it's too hard for us, it's not too hard for Christ in us. So we rely on his spirit to strengthen us and to help us. And even when we can't see him, and even when we can't feel him, And even when we can't hear his voice, we trust our Father in heaven. And again, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But um, can I tell you a couple of things about our Father that might strengthen your faith and help you trust him 
even when your prayers are unanswered. I'm going to tell you a couple of things about him. Um, one, first of all, he cares. He cares. Um, this image of Abba, Father, is really helpful. I think if you're a parent, you know. If you're a parent, you know that there is no greater pain for you than watching your child suffer, right? At any level, at any age, through anything. But if you've raised kids, I bet you can picture right now in your, a time when your kid was sick or going through a medical procedure or had their first heartbreak and you would have given anything to take their pain on you. But for whatever reason, and for sure for reasons that they couldn't understand, all you could do was hold them and smile through your tears and say, I love you. It's going to be okay. And when the answer is no, Satan loves to fill our heads, just like he did in the garden, with a false picture of the Father. Right? When everything's falling apart for us, he wants us to see the Father as this mean, selfish dictator who could fix our problems, but won't. When the answer is no, Satan loves to ask, where's God now? Right? While you're suffering, where's God now? And you know where God is? He's right there with you. He's a perfect father. He's feeling your pain. He's holding you. And he's saying through Jesus, I love you. It's going to be okay. He cares. And you know what else? He can. And sometimes he does. Um, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, nothing is impossible for you. And we start our prayer with this prayer, our Father in heaven, to remind ourselves that God has no limits, right? God can do anything. He created everything with just a word. He can change anything with just a word. And sometimes he does interrupt nature. Sometimes he does overrule the natural order of things with a miracle. I mean, by definition, again, miracles are rare. But James 4.2 tells us that sometimes we don't have what we want just because we don't ask for it. And can I tell you something? We don't make God do anything. Right? I don't have that power. You don't have that power. But it's okay to ask. Jesus did. Right? Jesus said, please, more than once, please take this away from me. This is why we pray in Jesus' name. Right? That's what it means for us to say, like, in keeping with what you want. Right? I'm asking for this thing as long as it fits. Right? So I'm, I'm saying, God, if there's, if there's any way this healing if there's any way this answer, if there's any way this miracle fits into your plans, I'm asking. He can. And sometimes he does. And for sure, someday, he will. And this is how John describes that day in Revelation 21.1. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, Jesus said, look, I'm making everything new. Someday, he will. Someday, when God's kingdom has fully come, every tear will be dried. Every prayer will be answered. Every hurt will be healed. All things will be new. And God will be fully with us. Someday, he will. Meanwhile, Tyler Statton has a great perspective in this um, Pray Like Monks book. This is what he says. Scripture makes it clear that God collects two things, prayers and tears. The world in its current form is passing away, but our prayers and our tears aren't. So in Revelation 5, this is John looking to the future, verse 8, he took the scroll, four living beings, the 24, here it goes, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with the incense, which are the prayers of God's people. This is in the future now. And they're holding these golden, this is in the future, they're holding these golden bowls. And what are the golden bowls? The prayers of God's people. So every prayer you've prayed, even when the answer is no, God has collected it. And he stored it up. And he saved it in these golden bowls. And then three chapters later, these, these golden prayer bowls like show up again. This is Revelation 8, 3. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar. A great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar from where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down on the earth and thunder crashed and lightning flashed and there was a terrible earthquake and then it's on, right? And that, that's it. So do you see this? I mean, this, someday when the time is right, he's been collecting all of our prayers in these bowls. And someday when the time is right, he's gonna tip the bowls, right? And, and he's gonna pour our requests out on the earth. He's collected every prayer we've ever prayed and redemption comes when he dumps those prayers down on the earth once and for all. So God's kingdom coming, um, Jesus making everything new starts with God pouring our prayers out like a purifying fire on the earth. With one great big yes. So every prayer from God's people, every prayer offered up in Jesus' name, every prayer for a blessing or a healing or a redemption or an answer, every prayer in the end is an answered prayer. And some of us are still waiting for the yes, but it's coming. Someday he will. God collects our prayers. And he also collects our tears. Psalm 58, um, no, Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. 
You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. So prayer is asking, and it's seeking, and it's knocking, and it's weeping. And it's just crying when we don't have the words to pray through our tears. Psalm 126.5 says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. So God doesn't just collect and bottle up our tears. He redeems them. So when they touch the earth, our tears bring renewal. Our tears bring renewal as he makes all things new. Tyler Stanton, here's his words. Every tear of ours that falls to the ground will, will grow the fruit of redemption. God bends history so that the moments of greatest pain become the moments of greatest redemption. And the tears we cry became the foundation of a better world. We're promised that a day is coming when the Father himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. But until then, we live on God's in-between promise. I will not let a single one of your tears be wasted. God's kingdom is coming. And that new creation is seeded by the prayers of God's people and watered by their tears. Both of those are key ingredients in the remaking of the world, in the coming of his kingdom. He cares. He can. Sometimes he does. And someday he will. So meanwhile, we pray to our Father in Jesus' name, and we follow Jesus' model by the power of his spirit, and we celebrate when the answer is yes, right? We give thanks, and that's one more way for us to connect. That's one more way for us to commune. That's one more way for us to experience oneness with God. With God. And then when the answer is no, when the answer is no, when we feel ghosted by God, we follow the model of Jesus, and we keep the faith. Not in the miracle, right? Not in the healing, not in the specific solution that we're praying for. We put our faith fully in our Father in heaven. He cares. He can. Someday he will. So, before we pray, volunteers, don't get up. If you're a volunteer and you've got a station to run to right now, stay and pray with us, and then I'll give you a 30-second head start, okay? So let's... So let's pray. Father, thank you for all the yeses. Thank you for the miracles that we see, the times that you actually change the laws of nature, change the laws of your good creation to accommodate what makes us happy and gives us joy and peace. Thank you for the amazing miracles and healings and blessings and redemption that we've seen as answers to our prayer. Thank you for the yeses. And God, right now, just, man, sometimes it's no. And will you please just help us? Because it's hard when the answer is no. It's hard when it feels like you're ghosting us. Will you please just help us see like what's causing this? It's, it's this world that we're living in. It's this war that we're up against. Or it's your will, which is always good. Will you just help us to see that you're still in charge, even when it feels like you're not? And will you still help us to see that you can be trusted even when Satan's telling us that you can't? Will you still help us to know that you are our Father in heaven? 
Help us to see who you really are. Help us to keep our faith in you as we remember that you care and that you can and that someday you will. God, keep our hope, not in the healings, not in the miracles, not in the answers. Help us to keep our hope and our faith in you, our Father in heaven, and in your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, if you're a volunteer and you've got a station to get to, there it goes, all right, see? Everybody just sit tight, let them go, let them go. Can we clap and scream and cheer for our wonderful people that have hard work to do and places to be. Meanwhile, let me give you guys a couple of reminders. Uh, Christmas Eve is next Sunday. We are not having morning services. We're going to have Christmas Eve services at 1.30. At 1. We change it every year. At 1, 2.30, and 4. And then also, two weeks after that, December 7th. December 7th, a day that will live in infamy. Uh, What? Oh, forget it. You just do what you want. (laughs) January, January 7th, we're changing our service times. So I know you guys are never late for church. And we don't want to start it. So here's what's going to happen on that day, whatever it says back there. On that day, services start at 9, not 9.15, and 11, not 11.15. And our hope is that it's going to kind of push a couple people to the later service so it won't be quite so crowded in this service. So service times starting on January 7th are 9 and 11. That's it. Thank you. God bless you. Merry Christmas.